When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's got to 2-2 and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil, Lacazette, Ozil! Go! Hello and welcome to another Touchy Gunas podcast. It's your boy Dan Coobs on hosting duty. Today we've got a full house. Um, I'm joined by my good friend and my namesake German. How are you doing? How's happening, bro? Are you good? Yeah, I hope. I hope, I hope you're ready to scrap in them trenches, man. You got, you got, you got some fighting to do, man. Uh, hey, got, what do you mean by that, my bro? What's going on? We got, we got Sean as well. Um, how you doing, Sean? Yes, brother. All good, man. All good, all good. And we've got Dr. Leroy. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I mean, obviously, I heard my officer on the on, on the stage, so I thought I can't not be here. I mean, all I come on here is to shoot off and to get my agendas off. So, fair play, man. Fair play. There's there's plenty of time for that today. So, um, before we get into it, minor housekeeping. Um, as usual, you, if whatever platform you are listening on, make sure you leave that five star review. Make sure you drop us a follow on the socials, Touchy Gooners on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of that. Good. Stuff. Um, if you haven't yet, you're missing out. Um, the haven't yet signed up to Patreon, you're missing out. Uh, myself and Lewis did a player match ratings pod straight after the Chelsea game. Um, went into some of the detail on that match, the 2 2 draw at Stamford Bridge. Um, and we do all of these episodes ad free. So if you do not fancy listening to another episode, uh, another advert for Bird Dogs. Um, and and you, you you're not quite feeling um, you know that that uh, advert. You don't really fancy buying them them bird dogs. Uh, you can hear this ad free um, on the Patreon. They're from as little as three pounds a month. Um, we've got plenty of other collaborations planned that we're going to be putting out on there in the coming months. So you don't want to miss out on that. But let's get into it, right? And we played yesterday. Um, we played on. Saturday as well, since our last main episode. I'm going to start with the Saturday match um, before we get into uh, the 2-1 win away to Seville. But Dr. Lee, since you've not been on here um, in a little while, I'll start with you. Uh, And this is probably a bit of a talking point. There's been lots of listeners' questions this week around this. So that Chelsea game... Um, a lot of people have said, not one of our best performances, our worst performance of the season. You know, 
whether you think uh, it was a good result, given the consequences, given the context of the game and how that game played out. But what are your main sort of thoughts coming out of that game when I ask you about our midfield and how you think our midfield is doing this season? So, overall, I thought it was a good result based on the game and the way it went because we were 2-0 down. To come back to 2-2, you can never complain. My issue was, which I was obviously saying during the game when I was speaking to you guys, is I think that I don't think Chelsea were good. I think we were really poor, but I don't think Chelsea particularly good. Chelsea played quite a simple mid-block, and I was so disappointed the fact that we couldn't find a way to play through that in any way. Um, and we really, really struggled. I know the conditions were bad, but we really, really struggled to, to play through it. Um, and um, I think that's symptomatic of an issue that we have in midfield, which has been plaguing us the whole season. So when we build up, I still feel that our wide players are still getting the ball with decent enough regularity. Don't get me wrong, they're blocking the, the pass into the into Odegaard from the, the wing positions and things like that. But my issue is we're not finding our way into the half spaces, which is where we were really dangerous last season and really cooking last season with any kind of regularity. Um, there could be several different reasons for that. Number one could be how teams are playing us. And maybe teams have not figured us out as such, but are playing us differently. They're showing us a little bit more respect. They know where we're dangerous and they're trying to cut off where we're dangerous. But I do think a big part of that is the change in attributes and the change in quality of who is in build-up. So we look at Rice. Rice has been fantastic for us. There is no way around it. He's been really, really good. But he hasn't got the same kind of ability to find our eights or our creative players in the half space. And I think that shows because he does every, most of the passes Rice plays are outside of our outside of the opponent's shape. I think that's an issue. Um, Jorginho has played significant minutes this season. And for someone who's supposedly great technically, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't think he plays quick enough. And I don't think he can he has the ability to find these men in half spaces either. And I don't think either of them take the risks that are necessary, even though it might not be what Arteta wants, as probably German and Sean will come in and say. But I feel that that is the primary issue, and that is why we are not as potent in attack as we were last season. So that's why I don't think we're getting as many chances. Um, now, obviously, I'm not saying that you have to play Thomas Partey. Thomas Partey is a unicorn player. There's not too many Thomas Parties around. But a big part of that is when you're playing someone like Habits in the eight, for example, he vacates the space early. and he, he So whereas Shaka was running, making late runs, Havertz vacates the space early and it seems like we're playing a man down in build-up and he's not helping the build-up at all. He's not involved. That's an issue for me. And I feel that to, if we're going to play Rice, we need a different type of left eight who is going to support the midfield a little bit more and help in ball progression because... Our superpower, which made us so good last season, which had us top of the table all season, is that we, in my opinion, which I said last season, were the best team bar none, including City, in build-up, by far. And I feel that we've lost that. We've gone from an elite build-up team to a pretty okay, mediocre, probably just above average. And without that eliteness, that's, our superpower's gone. So games are coming tight again. We're not getting creating the same chances that we used to. 
think we either need to get an elite build up again or we need to evolve in a way that allows us to create chances and attack that's elite that is not involving building up in that way. So something's got to change. The attack doesn't look right at the moment, but I feel that the midfield is the main difference between last season and this season. Sorry, that's mm. a ramp, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, I think I think there's a, a lot to unpick there, really, from um, everything that you said. So I'll invite um, Sean or German Dan, either one of you, if you have any opposing thoughts um, to what Dr. Leroy said, because I've got a few um, myself, but German, I've seen you've gone off mute, so I'll let you, I'll let you in. Um, yeah, I, I think I think Leroy's got some. I think the concerns he's got, um, I think, of, um, you know, they're not they're not out of nothing. Um, there's definitely some trend towards a build up being slower, um, a build up, you know, being different. Um, the roles players play in a build up being different. Also, a build up, you know, being different from game to game. I think there's certain aspects that we do in some games that we don't do in other games, and I think this is all part. Of this, um, of this evolution that Taylor is looking to do, which is basically making us harder to beat, um, which is making us, you know, controlling games more and over longer periods. And I think the football last year was sensational. You know, um, we played some amazing football, um, and um, we di- it did have us top of the table for a long period of time. Um, we 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 came up short because of the squad depth, and I think we didn't have enough tactical layers. I think what we now have is more tactical layers and more squat depth. And you'd think, you know, surely we can just play the same football again or try and replicate the same football to, you know, achieve the same results. But I think there's there's external factors that have changed. Teams don't underestimate us to the same degree that they did last year. I think teams play us completely differently um, than last year. I think if you look in the t- Tottenham, for example, it's a good, exa- um, good example in terms of how teams are playing them this year, how they played us last year. You know, they're, they're, they're acknowledging they're a good team, but they think they can get something. And at some point, that's going to wear off and they're going to they're gonna face different, you know, challenges. And those challenges we actually faced later on in the season, which made the games in the second half of the season, a lot of them a lot closer than in the first half. In the first half, we were blown, blown teams away. Um, and I think momentum and also quality. And in, in a lot of games, it was also like the mentality of the team, like carried us to winning games. And I think I probably looked at that and thought, that's not sustainable. I'm going to try or look for a more sustainable way of winning football matches consistently over 38 games. Because I can think of the Villa game. I can think of that Bournemouth game. Um, I can think of a couple other games where it was just like the mentality of the team really carried us to winning winning um, those matches. And um, the games are more boring now uh, for a lot of parts. Um, but I think that's by design. Um, and... I look at the Sevilla game and, you know, outside of the Chelsea game, which I agree was a poor performance from us in and out of position, actually. Um, probably the poorest I've seen us in realistically that 18 months. Um, but I think the Sevilla game was what exactly what Atta wanted. He wanted slower ball progression, I think, in order to, you know, manage the momentum of the game. He wanted not going vertical as often or quickly because going vertical, you know, increases the likelihood of losing or being dispossessed for the players that are receiving in those areas. And I think that's by design um, and it's an evolution that we're seeing. And I think the only way people will get on board with this evolution that Atta is implementing is if this is going to result into not just wins, because we can win playing the way we played last year. It has to result in like trophies, you know, it has to result in deep runs into the cup competitions. Um, and that's the only way I think people will will, will be OK with it, um, because the football last year was better. Um, so, yeah.
Mm. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, <clears throat> I think one of the, the key points um, is the opposition for me in, in how they're setting up against us and in terms of how we're able to exploit their setups. Because I think this season, I, I can't remember um, how many weeks ago it was that statistic, but I think I saw that Arsenal were playing the deepest blocks um, in all of Europe. So, you know, teams are, you know, sort of fully respecting us. But then I also saw that Arsenal still have, um, it, which obviously goes hand in hand with that, have the most territory um, in these games, right? You know, we've seen field tilt, uh, you know, graphs and scatter, scatter graphs and stuff like that being thrown around. So, you know, when I'm talking about, when, I, well, when, I'm, when we're talking about build-up, I can see that it's different. But for me, we're still able to play the, the game in the, the final third of of a lot of these um a lot of these teams right and you know even against Chelsea where that wasn't necessarily a good performance when you see that second half when we were you know at 2-0 down <clears throat> and I think game state does make a difference you're 2-0 up at home you're not necessarily going to come out and really attack but you've seen how high Gabriel was in that game how high Saliba was playing in that game and I say Actually, is our build-up really that bad if we are able to force teams back um, to this um, to this degree, right? I think a part of that is teams respecting you, but then when teams respect you, you also have to play up to that respect and carry out, you know, um, your your own instructions. And I personally think we still progress the ball up the pitch um, very, very well. Uh, it might not necessarily be. Um, you know, through the centre of the pitch, but I also think teams are really, really blocking the centre of the pitch. And one, and one of the things that um, you know I, I'm really noticing is our two, I say, central players, or maybe even three central players, because if you look at it, Eddie has started the majority of the games this season. I think the three players that we played in number nine um, and the two eights that occupy those central channels. I think Odegaard has been in and out of form. I think he's had some good games. I think he's had some mixed games. And I think he's had some really poor games um, in recent weeks. The left eight, no matter who has played there, um, it's been Havertz in and out of games. Um, it's been Vieira in and out of games, having moments here and there. Or it's been Smith-Rowe, who hasn't really started any games there, but he's come off the bench and not really flat to deceive. And I look at all three of those players who played in that left eight, I think all three of them, you describe them as really low touch, more, um, I think Vieira, not necessarily off the ball player, but Havertz and ESR, I think mainly off the ball players. Vieira, more a moments guy, he can deliver a final pass, but how involved is he in general play? Not really. All three of them, I would say, are low touch players. Odegaard, if he's not on it, and then Eddie, who... I think the first three games was pretty good um, in his play, getting chances, making chances for himself, getting on the end of things. But since that first international break has really been, you know, quite off the boil. And I'm looking at those three guys in particular. When you're when those three positions, you can't get players playing well. You can't get players keeping the ball. You can't get players who are operating in that zone effectively. That is going to, you know, really affect your central progression as well. Like if you pass the ball to Havertz's feet, it comes straight back. If it, if you pass it to Vieira, he's getting barges off the ball. 
if you pass it to Odegaard, he tries something, doesn't quite come off. You pass it to Eddie, it's bouncing off his shins. You're not going to get any central progression there either. You know, so I have to look at the personnel and the way those personnel have been performing as probably the main issue for me, rather than, you know, sort of our, our build-ups not there, our build-ups this, or do you know what I mean? Because for me, yeah. those guys are actually getting opportunities in that zone and 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 it's not sticking. Yeah, and I think I think it's a good point that you're looking at personal and you also have to look at the context of who's actually been available. You know, this guy Partey not been available for you know the first quarter, you could say, really. Um, we know he's he's the most vertical player in this football team, um, in terms of what is what is, is passing. So he's been missing, he's not been playing. Zinchenko, I think, has had decent games, but as as you said, the recipients in those zones have not been productive. Like they just have not been productive. Um Gabriel Jesus is another um, recipient and um, that is very good on the half turn and receiving the deeper coming and turn and play, you know, do, making things happen. He's been injured for, you know, a quite, I would say majority of the games we played so far, actually. He's only recently come back in and he started playing out wide when he came back in. Martinelli also, you know, so I think there's a lot of personnel sort of changes that um that have affected the the synergy the the energy of the team and I think we, we we should try monitor it for the next five to six games where I think everyone is now fit apart from Timber um so let, let's see how it goes there and if if, if the if the build up is more potent um but then there's also poor, poor performances I think individually you know I think there's been quite a few players that just have not been hitting the levels right now and this is not just Udegaard, Havertz, and um, Eddie, as you mentioned. I also think when Trossard has played, his end product has been good, but his overall game is leaving a lot to be desired. And I think he's one of the players that actually, the end product is saving him um, from people scrutinising his performances. He scored a great finish the, the um, um, last game as well in the, in, in the league. Um, and then he scored a great goal, I think, against PSV. And I think he scored another goal, but you know, I'm not. I've not really. Um, I've not really seen much in in game for, in, in play from him. So, and Vieira, I think, was good in this cameo against Fulham. But then the game after was it Everton? It was. It was a game after that he had, and he started. And I felt like, you know, this is your opportunity. You've not really taken this opportunity for the manager to think like, I need to play this guy. And he's not really been in the team since. So, you know, it's all a combination of those things. I think. Because hold that. <laughs> What's that's what one nil Dortmund, yeah. Um yeah, so uh so Sean, let me let me bring you in. Um uh, I'll let you add uh, anything that you want to um on that sort of midfield central progression topic as well. But I want to bring us further back um to 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 the number one spot, um the guy that's playing between the sticks as well, and just give me your general opinion about this Raya. Ramsdale discussion because for me, I can't lie, it's it's looking kind of spooky. Yeah, I, I thought I thought all you guys made really good points on um the issues we've had with build up this season, and I think everyone's point is valid. Um, it's funny I tweeted just before the pod I was I was looking at some numbers from last year, and I think party to Erdegaard was one of the biggest passing networks we had in the team. Um, again, it comes back to the point about verticality, and, and we've definitely missed that to an extent this season. I also think there is a concerted effort to, you know, last season we were very rock and roll, right? We played at 100 miles an hour, but, you know, 
when you're hoping to have maybe a 50, 60 game season that can't be sustainable, you can't play at that pace and that tempo all the time. So I think the combination of trying to slow down a bit, teams, you know, having the lowest, deepest block against us. So there's there's a numerous um, level of factors. But I do think the point Leroy made about having more centrality is important because it's key to the quality of chances that you can create. Because whilst we've dominated the field tilt, the territory, a lot of that stuff has been in our favour. I think the quality of chances and the lack of incision we've had in the final third um, could be improved by having more like access to like, you know, that zone 14 as well. And and that might be a profile issue. You know, we, we've spoken about, I think Rice for me has been bought as the long-term six, but, you know, we're being objective. I think he's a fantastic ball winner, great engine, but he probably doesn't see the pass or see, um, you know, that pass into zone 14 as quickly as the party does, which which has its, plus, its pluses and its negatives, right, in terms of control, but, but maybe not finding that free man as quickly as possible. I also just think we might need some better technicians in zone 14 generally in my opinion so this is why i'd like to see and, and this is maybe a recruitment issue in the summer but an eight like a you know a frankie de jong a pedri locatelli gunduan that sort of type bruno g i really really think that's a type we need um just more of an actual midfielder who can do a lot of the midfielding stuff both offensively and defensively so it'd be an area i'd like to see um going forward but you know your point on on our goalkeepers I'll be honest here, yeah, I don't have um, a horse in this race. I said this from the very start. For me, the best keeper should play. Um, and, you know, we brought Raya on on the pretense that he was better. He was he was an upgrade. And, and that might prove to be the case long term, right? But if I'm being honest and based on what I've seen so far, nothing this keeper has done has, has filled me with confidence apart from maybe, you know, the claims from crosses and um, probably a higher starting position when we're playing, right? But the kicking, which has been madly lauded, has not impressed me um he's looked jittery i've always i know me and you because we've always had concerns about six foot goalkeepers i don't like goalkeepers that are short and um you know so it's it's it's, it's something to wait and see i think this is arteta's guy and he will continue with it but if we're to um base it off what arteta said right now it's competition and a meritocracy based on what i've seen so far i think ramsdale should come back in and this is me who's not even a massive fan of ramsdale but if that's how we're playing it and we're saying it's a competition between two number ones, then I think Ramsdale deserves to come back in. But I don't think that will happen because I think Arteta build it as a comp uh, competition for the number one spot. But I don't think he generally believes it himself. Like, Raya's his person. He's um, adapting more to his game model, so to speak. So I think he'll persist with it. But um, yeah, man, I think this is messy. It's a very messy situation at the moment. Mm. And until Raya fills me with confidence, uh, I think this might be something that rumbles on personally. Yeah, I think um, I think Arteta hasn't necessarily helped himself with the comments that he's been making because, I don't know, maybe I need to go check what he said when Ramsdale came in um, and when uh, what Emery might have said when, when Leno came in for check. But for me, I see all of those situations and these situations, I think, have always happened in that goalkeeping department. Right. We saw it with Joe Hart and um, Claudio Bravo, I think, was one. It's almost, you know, really quite similar to this situation, right, where I think Joe Hart was the established number one keeper for Man City. Pep came in and said, yeah, this guy's kicking is not is not it for me. I'm going to bring in Claudio Bravo. And Claudio Bravo, he stank, right, when he came. He was really bad um, for Man City, but he played the games because he could do more of what Pep wanted his goalkeeper to be able to do on the ball. And then when the time came for Edison to come in, 
he went and spent 36 million pounds or whatever it was on Edison. And I see it the same as when we brought Leno in for Petr Cech. Emery wanted to do more of this playing out the back with more short passing. We saw what Cech was on with that almost scoring own goals under no pressure and stuff. He said, yeah, this can't run. Um, Leno came in, not really the hoo-ha um, about it. Ramsdale came in again because I think Arteta said, this guy can't really do what I need from him on the ball. Ramsdale is better on the ball than Leno. Um, Ramsdale came in, new number one, Leno got shipped. And I think this is a very similar situation. Raya is able to do more of what Arteta wants to do on the ball. Therefore, that's why he's been brought in. All of this, and I think the issue is now the fact that people have gotten carried away with this whole rotation, which I don't think Arteta has ever said was going to be rotation. Um, he said competition. And because of this competition thing, you're now seeing a guy who is, um, for, for me, I don't think he's playing well. I think we're getting some glimpses of what playing well might look like from David Raya. There are some nice passes in there. I think every single game we've seen some nice passes. I do think his high claims are really noticeable um, and do make a difference. I do think that is something that Ramsdale could definitely do a lot more of. Um, I don't think there's been many opportunities for Raya to sweep. I don't think um, his kicking has been particularly that convincing. Um, and he's really sort of struggling with some of those short passes, short, short central passes. We've seen the error against Cole Palmer. We've seen the error um, against uh, Julian Alvarez against Man City. I think some of his passes, as Dr. Leroy said, have been under hit going out to the fullback. We saw another um, under hit pass uh, similarly trying to clip out to Ben White. We've seen him pass the ball to severe players and whatnot. We're seeing him do flying Superman punches, almost scoring own goals in the 93rd minute. Um, we're seeing him get chipped um, from, from, from the side of the box by Mikhailo Mudrik. So when I'm watching this guy, um, I get it, and I think he's Arteta's guy, so he probably needs to stay in the goal. But he really needs to rise in it because I think what we're seeing from him is very, very spooky. It's very spooky. Um, and, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about, you know, putting maybe some of these fundamentals um, there now if it starts costing us points in, in, in a year that I think we've got a good chance of, you know, winning a, a big trophy, you know. So if we come to April, May, Raya still playing like this. You need to go pragmatic. And my man is passing the ball to, to strikers on the edge of our box. I'm going to be shouting. That's going to give me heart. You see what Ramsdale's dad, when he's in the in the stadium, he's like, oh, he's doing my effing heart in. Yeah, that's what I'm going to be like, watching this guy kick. Which, And I don't want to be in a situation like that, you know. Boy, so, and I don't clear, I'll let you in on this conversation as well, because we've been chatting about this in the group. No, you've covered it well. You've covered it well. Like, for me, like I said, at the beginning, I don't really have a horse in a race. Um, I'm not like a keeper analyst. I'm not an expert with keepers. And I feel that the reason keepers are difficult is it's so different from out on the pitch that we don't know the minutiae. We don't know the fine details. I mean, we've all played football. So when you're talking about outfield players, it's a lot easier to assess because it's sort of a bit more relatable. But when it comes to Raya, it's just that, I mean, with a, in the goalkeeper position, the key thing for me is the absence of mistakes. Because I do not care what you do for 89 minutes and 50 seconds. 
If you throw one in your net in a low-scoring sport, I don't care what the fuck you've done for before that. I'm sorry. That is that's a bad game. You could have you could have been amazing before that. It's a bad game. And it's a similar to the centre back position. The absence of mistakes is absolutely key. So we are seeing some good things from Ryan. Some pretty decent things. I think we're doing overtime. Um, but when I look at the mistakes he's making, he's very lucky they haven't actually cost us goals because they very easily could cost us goals. And then I feel that the the conversation changes in, in the in the public sphere. But I don't think we should be outcome biased and we should be looking at what he's actually doing because all of these mistakes could be costing us goals in every single game. Now, Ramsdale, Ramsdale has had shaky moments and many of them, like we've seen it, we've all seen it. But I don't think Ramsdale was having moments at the regularity that Raya is now. And my massive concern here is it looks like the mistakes Raya is making is out of nerves. It doesn't look like it's out of ability, if that makes sense. And a lot of being a goalkeeper, from what we all hear, is mental. And if he doesn't have the stones or the big ones, word of Arteta, that he can play at this level and show out and not get nervous and not make mistakes, then, boy, um, I'm, not really, um, I'm not really feeling that. And I think we should bring back Ramsdale. Because one thing about Ramsdale, yes, he might have ADHD, which we know, but, but, which is fine. But there is no way you can tell me that guy ain't got cojones. There's no way you could tell me that that didn't come in and rise it, and he played to the level. He he thought like, I belong. I belong here. I deserve to be here. So I, I think we need a bigger sample size. We need to give Raya a little bit more time. I think that's true. But if he doesn't show what we need to see, I need to see Arteta be just as ruthless and not this selective ruthless as he does, where he's ruthless as one person, but El Neni's still here for a good time. Um, ruthless with Ramsdale, but Raya is making mad allowances for. I need him to be uh, a, a, a fair manager and it'd be a meritocracy. And I think Ramsdale needs to come back in because one fast thing I'll say on it, again, I don't know too much about keepers, but just from the eye test, for me, what it looks like is Ramsdale is the more talented keeper for me. Ramsdale is the more, he's going to make exceptional saves and over time, in terms of more athletic, a little bit taller, etc. Yes, he may have some issues he needs to iron out in his game, but he is a little bit younger. But in terms of raw talent as a goalkeeper, for me, Aaron Ramsdale looks more talented. Raya looks maybe potentially more polished, and he looks more like the finished article. But I personally don't want to see us, if he doesn't have the mindset and he keeps making mistakes and doesn't have the... the uh, I'm, I'm a big man to play at this level. I don't want us to throw away what I think is probably a very talented keeper with a few flaws for Raya, unless we're going to get a significant amount of money. Mm. Yeah, fair play. German, I see you shaking your head at a couple of points there. So, yeah, I'm going to let you retort. Hey, you might know me. Hey, I love this. Yeah. We're doing a char charity boxing match, me versus German Dan. You are just hey, man, they have weight classes for a reason. I like it's crazy. You want to send German to heaven, bro? This guy's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, said, he said, he said, Mike Tyson versus, versus Manny Pacquiao, bro. That's crazy. 
Leo is a sicko, man. Hey, listen, I love to disagree. I'm gonna keep exercising, you know, my ability to disagree when I feel like <laughs> to disagree. Now, all things, all things serious. Um, I think with Ramsey, I got to a stage where I just felt like he was getting away with making mistakes and people were just accepting them. Um, and I kind of, <laughs> and I kind of felt like that for like a, a, quite a while. Like he was. Like we would concede a goal, we'd be completely in control of the game, concede a goal through like a random shot. I'm like, he should be saving that, and people would disagree with it. And you know, you know, when he keep building up this kind of feeling of like, oh, we concede another goal. I think he should be better, doing better than that. And that's how I kind of felt towards Ramsdale. I think for the first six months, his kicking was, um, you know, unbelievable. I think then it, you know, it, it kind of dropped off, um, and I think you know the weaknesses in the shot stopping became more apparent. I think there was a number of games, I think the Burnley game, then the Liverpool game and the Carling Cup, where you know he threw games for us, in my opinion. And that, and that, and also Newcastle, I think he was just hoofing the ball when the game that we lost, the crunch game. You know, there's 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 performances where I just felt like he's cost us, but he never came under the, the microscope like like you think someone could, you know, like Raya is coming under the microscope now. Um but when when Raya came in, you know, I didn't know much about him. You know, I just know, you know, I see the percentages. I've seen us play Brentford a couple of times. He's looked decent against us when we played against them. He's looked decent against City. He looked like a keeper that's more accomplished. Um, since he's come in, he's definitely looked very, very shaky. I can only call it how I see it, you know. He's looked shaky. He's made errors um, where you think he shouldn't be making errors. And I'm and I'm trying to be I'm trying to understand and I'm looking at the data and I'm looking also at what I'm seeing on uh, and you know when when we're watching the games and I'm thinking his activity is a lot higher than Ramsdale's so I think like in situations where you know when you're looking at things like his pass accuracy or his long ball accuracy like Raya is trying to pick every pass essentially every pass he's picking it you know whereas Ramsdale is picking a couple of passes he's hoofing the rest so like that's gonna affect the numbers right. You know, and he's got less activity when Ramsdale's on goal. He's not, he's not really playing like an outfield player, which which is Raya is trying to do. So I appreciate and I understand that with this level of activity and, and the risk that he's taken continuously, that more mistakes will happen. But as I just simply feel his execution has not been good enough um, on a few occasions. If it, if the ball's going out wide and he's like trying to pick someone and it's, it's off, the, off the pitch that's not a bad thing for me you know it's about the passes that he's playing in field they are risky where I feel like he needs to execute and execute them better or you know simply try try go longer you know um, on, the, on the pass I think that's where I have a real criticism of him and you can't I don't think you, how you can I don't know how you can objectively watch the games and not feel like he's putting the team under pressure with some of his decisions but then I look at it and feel like Ateta is forcing him to play this way. You know, if he is not playing this way, you know, um, his chain could get snatched as well. So for Raya, I think he needs to up this up his execution, or he's going to face a similar, similar, um, you know, faith that Ramsdale is facing. Because I don't think Ramsdale is coming back in. This is not a metro. Um, it's not a thing about you know players having you know the same opportunity. Um, this is not a metrocratic situation. It's not. Um, it's about Atata picking someone that he thinks is going to execute his game plan. He's given Ramsdale enough, and he's given Ramsdale ample opportunity to do that. Ramsdale was in, doing interviews saying we found the middle ground. How do you think you're finding the middle ground with a guy that is is ex? You know, his ex guys there ten times the footballers that you you are like Uzo and the Aubameyangs, people that have led this football club 
for periods of time. They weren't doing certain things that he didn't he wanted him to do. And he said, yeah, you guys have to go. You know, you're just some goalkeeper. What do you mean middle ground? You love to carry out the game plan that the manager wants and try execute it well, which is what Raya is trying to do, which is why I don't have a bone to pick with him on that. But the execution has to be better. I think that's what we got to focus on. Um, execution because Ramsdale is not doing what he's supposed to do. And he, for, for a period of time, he's made you know mistakes that have cost us as well. So I don't think he, sh- he deserves an opportunity back just yet. Um, in my opinion, yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair play. And and <laughs> one thing that I I do like this is the Yada coming out in me. Yeah, um, is that Raya's not really doing much talking either. He's trying to just do all of his talking on the pitch, um, which I quite appreciate because for me the worst thing was when I see Rams uh, Ramsdale chuck something in in his net. And then the next week I see him on Ben Foster's podcast having a laugh <laughs> and a joke and that. And I'm like, big man, you cost us three points the other week because you're looking at a pigeon or something like that on the pitch. And now you're having a bubble about, you know, oh, yeah. our goalkeeping position, middle ground, all of this, man. Shut up and play and, mm. and, and, and focus on your game to me. So That's I do... Yeah. Mm. So, so I, I do. Yeah, go, go on, go on, Jeremy. Go, go, go. Sorry for interrupting me. I just kind of feel like you about that. I feel like he actually needs to hold it for a bit. Like he can't just get his way back in this easily because he, he actually needs to hold that for a bit, man. <laughs> mm. Tell him I've got some wit in for him. On. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to roll through, man. He needs to roll through, man. I'm sorry. You're trying to get him bagged. <laughs> You're trying to get him bagged like Pogba, yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, I've got something for him, man. Trust me. Like, he needs to he needs to roll through, man, because that attention span ain't normal. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's definitely got something wrong with him, man. The guy is crazy, bro. Yeah, boy. Look, oh, leave when I'm seeing you. man, do that, you know, like when the keepers do that like double jump to prepare. Mm. Doing a double jump to prepare, and then he's turning around looking at the fan, and the ball is on the 18-yard box, <laughs> and then he's turning around to the ball. Are you crazy? <laughs> Uh, what was it? I think it was, was it Brentford? He made that mad save and then the ball wasn't even cleared yet and the right man turned around to give it to the crowd. I was like, yo, chill out, man. man. You see, this is why his dad has got a high blood pressure, bro. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, what are you saying? He's giving his own dad high blood pressure. Yeah. Bro, both wow. of them need to roll through. I will do them a two for one deal. I swear to God. Okay, so um, let's move on to the severe match uh, as well because we haven't really spoken about that either. So um, I, I thought, thought this yeah. was. I, I just I've got a quick question before we go to severe on the on the Chelsea game. Do you, do you guys um, you know do you guys think Chelsea fans are you know buying hope like they're buying hope off a game that they really they could have lost and they if they if they're serious they should have won they're just buying hope and they're let's have a, let's have a discussion about that. They're in the mud and I, I, to be honest. Some people who I think noble, I don't really know them. I'm quite disappointed, like because <laughs> if that's a good performance for you as a club, then you you are more in the month than I ever realised ever, because they did pretty much fuck all apart from a mid block counter attack like a shit team. They got a goal from a penalty which was a, a, a shit header which was going wide, and a fucking a, a lucky def, not even a deflected a lucky um, accident. Yeah. After that, so they created what, what I think was it one point was it one point three xg or something like that. Well, the Palmer chance had as well. That huh? was about. They had the Cole Palmer chance as well. 
Yeah, but they create 1.3 XG or something yeah. like that, and 0.75 of that was a pen. They created fuck yeah. all. They just yeah. managed, for, the, for good fortune, they managed to be 2 0 up after not particularly playing well. Um, most of most of their good play was come came from their industry and destruction in midfield and ability to close spaces by playing in midfield. What did you do as a team? I'm sorry, that is not a good performance. And if they think that's a good performance and they quote unquote bust us, I do not know that that, that club's in the mud and they're not coming back for a long time. So boy, yeah, I think um, I think it's 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 really important to to watch matches back is one of the things that I will say um, to that because, um, you know, obviously at the time you're watching live, there's a lot of um, things on the line as well. There's emotions yes. and, and, and that affects how you view the game. So basically I came out of that, I was, you know, obviously buzzing uh, with the win, but, you know, end of the first half, really frustrated. Um, I think up to like 60, 70 minutes, really wasn't really like happy with the performance. And I think, you know, it was fair to say that the feeling coming out of that game is that, oh, yeah, Chelsea were the better team. Arsenal sort of smashed and grabbed it kind of thing. And I, I don't really have a problem with someone having that opinion. But then if you watch it on rewatch now, you know the result. You know the events that have happened in the game. You can watch it cold kind of thing. You pick up, you watch certain things. So, like, the Cucurella versus Saka, I think, is a very good example of how emotions can sway how you're viewing what's actually happening on the pitch, right? Because I watched this first half. I think Kukurella does do well against Saka. But for me, it's because the ref is a blow for fouls that are clear fouls on Kukurella versus Saka. And then obviously there was a few that Kukurella did get the better of him. I think he nicked one through um, Saka's legs, this, that and the other. I think even one nasty, nasty kick from Kukurella was when they were even reviewing the pen. So we didn't get a, a free kick from that situation. He didn't get a card because that's how the game was broken down for them to review the pen. The pen was given, etc. And so I think because of that, we didn't really get to build momentum. But then if you watch the second half, every single duel that they had, Saka came out on top, every single one. I was I was making notes when I was doing it because I was like, nah, I, I really thought Saka was, was quite good in the second half, but people are telling me I'm mad for saying that. But I watch it again and... Literally, I've got it there with the minutes, everything. If anyone wants to see, I can send that to them as well, yeah? So it's like, I watch, and the, the, the discourse is that, oh, Cucurella had a great game against Saka. But I'm like, look, he actually didn't, if you watch this game. Second half, he couldn't get near him. He couldn't touch him. He got put on the yellow card, gave away three fouls on him, and he got twisted up like three, four times as well. So, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, yeah, guys, I think maybe you're high, you're 2-0 up. This and the other, your players are winning tackles. But if you watch it, any chance that he made, it was basically a long ball or um, a, a, a lung busting run from Raheem Sterling in behind. He got sh shepherded out uh, most of the time. And I think there's maybe two or three times where they played through us in that second half. But other than that, they didn't really do much in the game. And so I'm not going to, you know, sort of say, oh, you can't feel X, Y, Z about your team. Because I think Chelsea are a decent team. I don't think they're a good team yet. But I think they're progressing. Because last season was a true horror, horror season for them. You know, like, there's no there's no getting around it. Like, when you look at a home record and you've won one game in 11 at Stamford Bridge, like, that is shockingly bad. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, they can take whatever they want from that game. Um but for me, I think they still have a few ways to go before they can start picking up points 
consistently every week. Mm. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. I hear you on that. I just, I just kind of felt like the discourse on the timeline didn't quite match what, what I felt like I watched. So I just wanted to, you know, I mean, have a quick chat about that because I felt similar to you guys. I, I remember watching that second half. I watched it back as well, watching it live, thinking. Saka is cooking this guy. And then, and then I'm full-time seeing people saying he got locked up and like he's cooked this guy the second half. Um, we've actually played badly and we've got we scored two legitimate goals. We should have had a penalty as well. You know, that apology ain't gonna do a, sh- a fucking thing for us. Um, so you know, I mean, you know, we, we take it forward. Um, you know, let's talk about the severe game, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I did want to touch on the severe game because um we were having a bit of a debate about this heated. You know, as it always is in the group chat um, around the, the performance. So, so Sean, I'll bring you into the conversation. You know, just general thoughts around how you think we did against Seville. Um, we're now top of the Champions League group, six points. Every other team keeps drawing, um, which is, you know, pretty good for us. It means that we might be able to qualify early despite losing um, to Lons last time out. Um, but yeah, how do you feel about that performance? Yeah, I mean, um, when you look at Pierre, uh, Sevilla's home record over the last decade, I think they've only lost a few times. So um, there's always going to be a tough game to to go there and win. So I'm I'm happy we got the win. I saw that if we win our next two Champions League games, which are both at home, um, so Sevilla and then Lons, we we win the group basically. So I think that's probably going to be the aim to to win the next two, top the group, and then the last one will be a dead rubber. Hopefully, um, I think. Overall, we especially because I've I watched the game back this afternoon actually, and the first 60 65 minutes, we actually I think Sevilla only had like two free shots on goal in the whole like the first of the first 65 minutes. So, um, you know, to your point about sometimes when you watch stuff back with let's talk about bird dogs, bird dogs make you look good. They're stretched khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff restricting cotton. Bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So how do you get them? You go to birddogs.com forward slash pool and enter promo code pool for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com forward slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. That emotion, they really didn't have anything. Um, and, and I think we we did control the game quite well. I think, um, again, back to the, you know, the initial conversation we had right at the start where Leroy was talking about midfield. I, I do think that is still a bit of an issue. Um, but I think there was a concerted effort again to be a bit to be a bit slower, quiet in the crowd. If you know the Sevilla crowd, Sevilla probably I think they've said that's like the most atmospheric team in Spain. So like it's one of those where, yeah, especially when you go away to big grounds, you want to keep the crowd quiet. And I think I think we did for the most part. Um, we had that Gabriel Martinelli chance early on, early on, which I think he maybe could have taken it round the keeper, which he did do later on in the in the half of his goal. I think Tomiyasu had a chance. Gabriel Jesus had a chance. Um, so it was it was controlled without maybe being overly incisive and overly threatening, which is something you know we still want to see improve over the next few weeks and months as well. So, um, but yeah, overall a good win. I thought Jesus was the best player on the pitch for me, um, offensively anyway. So, um, like his turn to set up Martinelli was crazy, um, and then his finish in the second half was was sick. But it also pissed me off because I'm like, bro, <laughs> why can't you do that every, all the time? Do you know what I mean? You've got 
I saw he's got 14 in his last 17 starts in the Champions League with like four mm. assists. So I'm like, carry that over to the Prem, my guy, please. We need that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought um, overall first 60, 65 minutes was, was really well managed. And then um, I think it was actually him, funnily enough, that switched off from the corner that they scored. We don't really con- concede from corners, which is annoying. And then, you know, for the last 20, 25 minutes, it was about managing the game out, um, which I think we did well um, to an extent as well. We didn't give them much. Um, it would have been nice to have some some pace in transition, and that that's probably another evolution we can talk about when, you know, cool, every team's going to have their, you know, I, I don't think we were going to go through that game without conceding any chances, without being under pressure for a little bit of the game. That's fine. So that's game state, but you still want to carry a threat later on in games and I think that's that's an evolution I'd like to see next rather than just trying to contain um so but most important thing was to win so we've come through you know Chelsea City Sevilla taking seven points so I can't be too too mad even though obviously I'd like to see a bit more from an offensive standpoint mm. yeah yeah fair fair play right so there are a couple of performances that I do want to touch on individually in this game I agree with you I think Jesus was really good um in this and you know, one of the things that I do like about the Champions League is that you seem to get a bit more space than you do in any of the league games. You know, like the even the first goal, I can't remember the last time, you know, we've had an opportunity like that in the first half of any game against anyone for Martinelli to run through clean on goal. You know, I think the only times that happen is when I think Brighton, maybe Aston Villa as well, where uh, they're really, really pushing for um you know a, a, an equalizer or a winner or something like that um and and you get that space but otherwise you know champions league it seems that you teams are a bit more open they are um all quote unquote good teams so they try and play their football um and i think what we showed is that i think especially that first sort of 15 minutes of the second half is that if you open up to give us space i, I still think that this team can really can really cook you because after it went to 2-0, I don't know about you guys, but I felt like, yeah, this could end up being, you know, something uh, of a big scoreline. But obviously they got their goal and, you know, the game state changed a little bit. So, yeah, Ash um, has made a good good point. So this was the first uh, individual performance that I did want to touch on um, was Tommy Asu, who I think has been playing well now for um, a few games. I think Brentford... Uh, stands out to me where he played at centre-back, came on at left-back, obviously against Man City, had a crucial role um, in the winning goal there, um, and then played left-back in this game, uh, came on at half-time against Chelsea, and I think was pretty good, and then then started this game. Um, And I think he was probably, after Jesus, probably our best player um, on the day. I think there was an excellent pass from him on the left-hand side, over the top to Jesus uh, for that first Martinelli chance in in the first half. And, you know, where do you guys stand now on who should be the starting left-back um, going forward, given uh, Tommy's form? Uh, I'll go to you, Dr. Leroy. For me, absolutely no doubt that Zinchenko is still the starting left-back. Um, but I want to start moving away from these starting 11s because that's the whole thing we need to build a squad so it's depending on the game so if we're playing Liverpool away I would like to see Tommy Asu start if we are this weekend playing Sheffield United at home I would like to see Zinchenko start um it really depends on the lineup of what what the game is 
what kind of game it's going to be. Is it going to be a tight game? Is it a big game? Is it big stakes on the line? What the opposition strengths are? Are they? Is it a game for people with jewels? Is it a game with runners? Or is it a game we're going to have all of the ball? It really depends on what, what's happening for me. But, I mean, Zinchenko needs to... So one thing I don't like about Zinchenko, even though I do rate his bravery and I rate that he is one of the only people in the team, especially without party, that's willing to really break lines and try things. He is a very complacent footballer, it annoys me. And sometimes he has he's liable to take the piss. Um, he needs to kind of cut that out of his game. Um, because some of the things he tries, I'm thinking, this is just outrageous and this is just lazy and you're getting really complacent here. I know you're good technically, but you've got to switch on. But um, overall, I feel like courses for courses, but the majority of games Zinchenko is going to play because the majority of games I feel that we are going to have the ball, we are going to be the ascent team in the ascendancy and we're going to need him to break down the opposition. Mm. Yeah, fair play. Any Anything you, you don't want to add to that? No, I, I actually agree, Leroy. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> um, yeah, so next next performance that I want to touch on um, is, is Martin Odegaard, right? So I think oh. he is he is in a bit of a slump, um, to say the least, right? To say the least. So. Now, Kings, why are you smiling so much, bro? What's going on? Can I just say, yeah? If any of the ops are tuned in, this is your time to leave because I do not want to have... You know when you, you've got a like, family round but you have to have a like inner family conversation and you close the door? Yeah. We need to close the door right now. We, 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 we need to clip this bit out because I know this is going to look in, be looking to clip, inject. Clip, yeah. clip, clip this bit out and uh, yeah. this is only available to patrons, yeah? <laughs> 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 but, but yeah, so he's, he's in a bit of a slump. Um, you know, I think one thing he never ever really comes back from international break and plays well um it always seems to take him two to three games um to to play his way into form i don't know what 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 that's about i don't know what they they feed him when he goes to norway uh camp you know um but i think even before then he's kind of struggling um to really have the same I, I guess, influence on games that we saw last season, right? So um, I think last season he was really the hub of everything that we were doing going forward. You know, everything um, was was sort of the archetypal playmaker. You pass the ball to him, he's telling you when to run, he's finding you, um, and the, the game just seemed to flow through him. Whereas this season, we're not really getting that same um, influence that, you know, he's getting the ball... Um, he's trying stuff. I think he is still trying stuff, but it's just not really quite coming off for him. So, you know, where do you guys stand on Odegaard? Do you think this is something that, you know, he needs to play his way through? Or are you considering, you know, sitting him down for a couple of games here and there and and, and, and then seeing if that can get something out of him? But, um, yeah, German, you're off mute, so I'll start with you. Yeah, I think... Um, I, I, I don't think... I don't think... I... I trust the alternatives enough um, on the right-hand side to now take him out. Um, I think I would give him maybe one or two more games before I'd look into starting someone else because, you know, benching him, I think, is quite the statement. And at this moment in time, the team is not suffering, per se. We're winning games or drawing games. We're not losing games, um, apart from the long game. We haven't lost a game this season. Um, so the team is not 
particularly particularly suffering. Um, and so I think for now we can still keep him in, him in there and, and hope for him to play through this patch. I just had a quick look to see how he started the, the season last year and he scored two in the game against Bournemouth. I believe he didn't play that well in that game. I remember that game thinking Uga didn't play that well and he scored two and then he scored in the Fulham game right after and then he didn't really he didn't really get cooking until like mid-November. Um, and I remember... I remember when he when we um, when we first got him as well that um, you know people were on to him when he got, when he got signed for the first sort of three months of the season he didn't really start cooking in this first season until that United away game I believe it was was a Everton I think it was after the Everton game mm-hmm. he played United away he started playing so I think maybe he's one of these players that just gets cooking a bit slower than others because um, I, I do feel like players do go for periods. Um, where they just, um, you know, they play better than uh, in some other players. So, for example, Gabi Jesus, I feel like when he was at City, he always ended the season quite strongly. Um, I feel like Martinelli also, you know, goes through like a very hot streak, like at least one part of the season, he goes through a hot streak. Even when he was not playing as many games, he would have like a very hot period and a bit more colder. So I feel like not everyone is Saka, who's consistently you know, good and decisive. Um, even when people say, Saka didn't have that good of a game. You, you you watch the game back, like all of us do it, right? You watch it back and like, actually, he was pretty good still. So I feel I feel like, I don't think we're overblowing his poor form. I definitely think it's poorer than last year um, and it's visibly poor and, it, and it's probably exa- um, exasperated by the, the issues that Leroy talked about earlier where we are just not getting the ball into the, that situ- in the, into the half space as much and we are just, as a football team, not as potent because you know some players are missing. We don't have as much verticality as Svanzet, but um, I would give him another two, three games. It is, however, you know, very at the moment. I think he he lacks a, the execution and bravery at the moment. Um, but I, I need I need to see how he, how he, how he gets it um, how he gets it going in the next couple of games. Um, otherwise, you know, you have to look at it and say, you know, Smithrow. He should be getting a chance. Um, Oviera should be getting a chance. We we have alternatives. It's not like we don't. Um, I just feel like we know what Odegaard can do, so we'd rather get him to that level sooner rather than later. And I don't really think getting him on a bench is going to achieve that quicker. That's my only, you know, of mm. yeah. Because just thinking about that period that you mentioned in the first season, I think he started. He was really bad at the start of that season. Um, and he did get dropped for Lacazette, I believe, who played came in and played 10 in the Europa game and in uh, one league game, I think maybe it was against Leicester. Um, and then he came back. He had the game against United where he scored, conceded the penalty, late penalty. I was fuming. Um, in the, sitting in the hey, cold. I remember you were fuming. <laughs> sitting in the cold at Old Trafford getting dunked on by the home fans. Yeah, peak. Absolutely, Pete. He scored the match after that Everton away, uh, where we lost Rich Allison or Damari Gray, I think, last minute. Um, Gray, it was Gray. Damari Gray, and then um, and then from Southampton, the game after, he he really played. He played really well and sustained some form. So, you know, I, obviously the guy's a top player for me, um, and so I do back him to get himself back into form. But you know, uh, as you said. We can't underplay it, and it's looking it's looking kind of spooky right now. He needs to start um, upping it, ASAP, ASAP. So, final performance shown. 
could um, I, could I, sorry, just before you go into that, could I just just say on on Odegaard as well? I I um I will make the case for him staying in just because I saw um that Zach Tenney made a comment in the earlier on where he said he spoke about automatisms and and I think when we've already lost two thirds of the midfield from last season, right, and we're talking about issues that we have about build up and how we're struggling, I think then taking out the third part of that and then just changing everything completely I just think that starts to lengthen the process in terms of what we're talking about about trying to be more cohesive because last season everyone could name to you what the first choice three would be and that was rinsed out every single week and you know that that allowed them to build chemistry build that relationship and I think Arteta's you know whether it's by circumstance or, or or choice we've been more flexible in how we've approached different games this season but I think that's also led itself to you know I think Sometimes it's hard to achieve optimum performance uh, when you don't have consistency of team selection. So when teams are changing every game and players are in and out, it's hard to build up rhythm, right? Do you know what I mean? So I think at some stage we're going to need to not say be fixated on an 11, but have in our mind whatever that 11 is or whatever Arteta thinks that 11 is and, and let it run for a few games personally for me as well. Because whilst I think it's good to have loads of people involved, you're never going to be able to to reach a level of in my opinion, coherency when you're consistently changing the team. Um, and there's like, and like I said, it, it's a good thing, by the way, to have like two, three changes and you need it when you're playing like 50, 60 games a season, whatever. But um, we've not had like a time to see like Arteta's, whatever Arteta's first choice team or 11 is, just let it run for a few games. Um, so we're going to need that in my opinion. So that's why, even though I think I agree with everyone else, I think he's thinking up the pitch. Um, I think we need to, probably allow him to play him through and also as as German said I don't think the alternatives uh, are as viable personally so so yeah. Do, do you know I think you make a very good point um, on the on the synergy and the chemistry part um, Sean because if, if you know Partey has been missing and this is not to excuse Udegaard's performances because he had he's had he's, he's received the ball in good positions made nothing out of it and stuff but you know Partey and Udegaard have very good chemistry um, he finds them with you know a lot of regularity um, and I think, you know, when, you, when you're when judging a player's performance, um, you know, there's not a lot of footballers, I think, um, even the top footballers that can work in every system and play to the optimum level in every system. Um, I think the parameters that they're within their play and, you know, the players that they're playing with enhance their, their, their you know, their level um, quite a lot. And that's, that's applying to a lot of players. I think, you know, again, Saka for me is an anom- anomaly. I think he can play out either side and cook it up. Do you know what I mean? It, it, there's not that many players that do that. I think Udegaard, there is a dependency on you know supply and there's a dependency on who he gets the ball to, um, how often he gets the ball. Um, obviously, his own execution right now is not great, but all these things play into his um, into his performance. And same way you could apply this to other teams. You know, Rashford is experiencing a slump right now. To see how the way he was playing last year, last season, um, where he was getting the ball, maybe the way teams were not marking them as much as they are doing you know all these things play a part in players performance so um whilst you can say someone's thinking 100% agree you know I was losing my mind in the group chat yesterday um but I, I I tried to you know take into context the external factors you know because they definitely affect their performance um so let's see if once it when he gets it together though mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to get into listeners' questions, actually, because there are a few of them that will touch on some of the final points that I wanted to get involved in. So 
Um, Lacasse underscore Stina, Nath. I don't know what is wrong with this guy, but um, TG in-person football videos next summer. This guy's always trying to get us to, to film to film us playing football, man. What if does he wanna, want to see? <laughs> I, I honestly don't know, but if you want to watch some of the TG guys play, man, Wanstead Flats, 10 a.m. every Saturday, you can you can find some people there. Um, a few guys have come around. The guys are, are doing well this season, so um, you, you might see a win. Um, yeah, but let me move swiftly on. So, Bayface Nate, um, he says, if you had to allocate a large percentage on who is to blame for our lack of chance creation, who are you blaming? No fence sitting. And he's given options. So he's got Mikel, Edu, Odegaard, Party, others. Mm, do you think we kind of answered that? We mm. said it's like a, it's like a combination of combination. Things. Yeah. Oh, if, combination. We, if we have to pick the one with the biggest blame, who, who do you want to pick? <laughs> Boy. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a guy who was our top chance creator and has created two chances, I think, all season, bro, so in like nine games. So it's, it's, it's not looking good for, for Martin, but I don't actually believe that. But he's a big factor for me right now. Why you keep calling him Martin? I, I don't like that, bro. What are you cooking up over there, Cooks? That's, that's his name, my guy. That's his name. That's his name. Uh, hey, he's lucky I'm not going back to calling him Ofsted. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> couple more couple more games like this, man. He's he's, he's losing that. He's losing that. <laughs> um okay, so Ribslish, he's asked two questions. He said, Do we need to upgrade on both our keepers? Also, what the hell was that cameo from Eddie? Oi. Listen, oh, don't piss me off, bruv. Listen, Ed, Eddie was taking the absolute piss yesterday night. I cannot believe it, bro. He came on, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He came on. He saw Rice and Tomiyasu were fighting for their lives, bro. This guy was letting <laughs> granddad, 50-year-old Sergio Ramos run past him. I, could, I couldn't believe it. He came on. I don't think he won a draw. He made like three, four fouls. And he just wasn't busting a gut. I, I I was I was fuming like I was generally, and it made me sick that he was allowed to get away with that too. Generally, I like I think he should be punished for that. Hundred percent. Like, I would I, now. I'm brother. I'm not even joking. I would leave him on the bench for the next game. Hundred percent. I knew sub. He was actually. Jesus. Jesus might be injured. I right, put Habits up top next game. I'm trying to see something still. <laughs> um. Mm. What was the initial question? It was um something about. Do we need to do we need to change both keepers? Hey, he's killing me, man. <laughs> he's losing. You're, Sean, your boy's losing it, you know, about the keepers. Rob is losing it, man. Yeah, what can you do, um, man? What can but you do? I think we have to keep monitoring this. Like, as I said, you can only judge what you see. Um, I've made, I've made, I tried to provide context for what I think Raya is trying to do or you're following instructions, but his execution is, is currently shit, man. Uh, so, boy, <laughs> if I have to cook both of them, I will. <laughs> I have absolutely no problem doing that. So yeah, let's see. Let's see how he gets on the next couple of games. But if we have to replace both, man, so so be it. Um, and then on the Eddie thing, boy, man, this guy, guy running around like he's Santa Rock Nation. I see him post pictures. Oh, he's he's like a Tommy Hilfiger ambassador. Now, brother, are you going to play football or doing all this other shit? He probably is in the studio with Awobi as well. Like, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I'm telling you, I'm not surprised. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all. So 
I don't know. I feel like one of the things that made um made people make a case for him actually used to be his effort, and now that kind of has vanished this season. Um, I think initially we saw it a bit, but recently he's running around the pitch like he scraps or someone like I don't understand. I really don't understand. Mm, yeah, it's 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 a real weird one to me, man, because um I can't lie, it's 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 a very clear line in the sand between his performances pre the first international break and the performances we're getting after. Like I think this this guy got that England call up and he's floating. Like he's literally yeah, I keep on, he's on him now. <laughs> bro, do you know like do you know like do you know like um what do you know like when you like I don't know about you man yeah but you know when when you bag like your first ten out of ten thing mm. you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> now he's talking now he's talking hey now you talking my language you saying he, he's got Tennessee and Susie Michael in his DMs yeah right <laughs> yeah <laughs> you see what it is yeah I remember it's, I'm not gonna go into details but I remember one one night in final year there was one girl that I've been preying like on a couple nights out, this and the other. Yeah, and then finally, like, got got into it with her, yeah? Like, we've been dancing on the dance floor a few nights, but I couldn't quite seal the deal in that, yeah? But one time, finally, I managed to seal it, yeah? I was giving her my speech in. They say I was a broke boy at uni as well, so you know I weren't buying her no drinks, yeah? But um, I was giving her my speech and finally managed to bag it, yeah? I promise you, I didn't look at my coursework for a week. <laughs> Man's going into lectures, yeah. <laughs> Feeling brand new. Probably didn't shower for three days. <laughs> uh, bro, when I tell you, no one could have chatted. No one could have chatted to me for that that like month after that. Yeah. Like I was honestly, I felt like the biggest man, and I feel like Eddie has been like trying so hard for this England call up as well because mm. I think Ghana came. To, to chat to him uh, as well a few times. He turned them down because he think he's backed himself to get this. And I think it's his his form is just it's, it's falling off a cliff. Like he's he's literally playing like he's arrived now, you know. So um so yeah it's uh it's it's looking kind of peak. And Lira, I'll let you I'll let you speak on this one as well because I know you like Eddie. I'm so disappointed because Eddie is my guy. Oh, I, I think for a long time I thought look, Eddie is a good striker. But when Eddie has been playing, one thing... Stop smiling, man. Hey, Me versus German Dan. No. Anyway, man's just literally, he sat there bare grinning. But the thing about Eddie is he's always worked hard. He's always run, run himself into the ground. And Eddie, for me... Not doesn't have stamina issues as such, but he's never had been a player with a big engine. So Eddie will run himself into the ground, but you can very much tell usually after 60 minutes he's cooked, he's done. Um, but he put that effort in. And for me, see Eddie not putting that effort in, that was sort of thinking, nah, man, because you are probably, even though you've got great qualities as a striker, you are probably not quite at the talent level that the rest of your teammates are at. And, and that's just the fact of the situation. So you need to make up for it and you need to make sure you're working your socks off and you're training like a beast, playing like a beast, like Arteta said. So coming in and see him, fresh, not pressing, was really, really, really disappointing to me. And if he is going to continue in that vein, then we need to be selling him because you can't, you can't be 
not quite at the talent level and not put in the work. And this is the whole reason I don't want Ivan Tony, which is another debate, because I don't want to see joggers in my team. It's it's just something that I do not want to see. This team has been created on the, the foundation of grit and hard work. When we play our best is when Gabriel Jesus is working his socks off. Martinelli, did you... Eddie Martinelli played 90 minutes last night. There was, I think it was in the 93rd minute. I see him sprinting at the guy at the touchline to make sure he won the ball. That is what we need from our forwards. And if Eddie's not going to give me that, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. The Ivan Tony thing, I don't want Ivan Tony either. I'll give me an Ollie Watkins over an Ivan Tony any day. Someone who is going to work their socks off. And if Eddie is not going to do that, then he should not be in the squad and we should be sending him straight away. Mm. Yeah, fair play, fair play. So I've just remembered as well, we had three questions sent to the pod beforehand. Um, Shaggy P, uh, shout out him. <clears throat> and he said, we've seen Odegaard struggle after international breaks countless times now, and he always seems to need a couple of games to find his form back. With crucial games against Chelsea and Sevilla, how much was Arteta to blame for playing him and not having a plan B against those teams? And I think he means... Because you but you can basically predict that Odegaard's not going to play well um, after internationals. So I don't know. What do you guys think? I think we answered that one. But we said mm. we don't think the, the attenders, you know, are, are strong enough. And getting closer to the optimum level for for the team is probably better if Odegaard is getting closer to this level. Playing them through, playing through that might help him. Um, yeah, I don't, know. I don't know if you you can blame the manager for playing them after international break. He he's you know he's a contract he's contracted to Arsenal Football Club just because he's just come from back from international break. I mean, we got a game to play, man. I don't give a shit if you play Moldova three days ago. We're playing Chelsea this weekend. You're the captain of the football club. You need to play. You know if you're fit, especially. So it's more about Udegaard. Udegaard needs to get needs to get it together. You know I'm pretty sure the manager has very clear expectations of him. And he knows, I think you could tell when he got subbed off as the first sub um, yesterday, yeah. You could tell he knows he's at the moment not playing well. He's falling short of those expectations. Um, so I think he, I think he's pretty aware of that. Um, so let's just see when, when he gets it together. I wouldn't, mm. I wouldn't blame on the manager. I think the manager has actually shown faith in him to get through this patch. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. So next question was the midfield double pivot seems like it's going to be used a lot more this season compared to previously, especially against physically imposing midfields. Is this system going to have any value, though, without Thomas Partey? rice Jorginho pivot is very passive and non-progressive. Wouldn't it make more sense to play Zinchenko there and play Tommy at left-back? Um, I mean, we, we said new. We, we always really play with a pivot and build-up, though, right? Do you know what I mean? Someone's always inverting, someone always dropped, and even yesterday... There was a lot of the time where Rice was deeper with Jorginho and you had Tommy Asu who was quite further ahead. But, you know, talking about the point, yeah, I think we, we, we raised it earlier on when discussing the midfield, right, that, you know, that there aren't enough maybe vertical players within the team, aren't enough good recipients high who can collect it under pressure within central zone. So from what I've seen so far, it needs to be a recruitment issue, um, especially if, you know, Party's not going to be here long term and Rice is going to be our long term six. So, in my opinion, there's going to need to be some rejigging of the stuff, unless Havertz miraculously works, which I don't think he's going to um, mm. in, in, in the current 
iteration of, of of what we're seeing. So um, you know, he said he said he planned for he said Havertz, Erdegaard, Rice will look good long term, but then he's got to play it for a while, right, and see it. But every time I've seen it so far, it's it's, it's not moved me, man. So so yeah. I think on the 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 Zinchenko thing, um my my main issue of playing Zinchenko in the midfield is like I don't know if I trust him defensively in the duels. Um, I think with Tomiyasu and Rice there, um, you do have some very good ball winners on that side. Um, I think with Zinchenko, I probably trust him even less than I do with Jorginho in the ground duels. Um, Because I think Jorginho at least has that ability to um, step in front of someone and intercept. Whereas I'm not sure if uh, Zinchenko has those same defensive, um, you know, that same defensive intelligence, particularly, right? So I I worry about uh, Zinchenko defensively if he's ever playing in midfield. But you can probably compensate um, for that um, with with playing Rice Rice there. But um, for me, yeah, I think we probably just need a different profile of midfielder. Um, if we're going to be playing a double pivot, um, Thomas Party and Declan Rice are probably the only two that I would actually like to see in a double pivot full stop, to be honest, um, of the midfielders that we have. So, yeah, I think we're probably missing a player um, in, in terms of profile on that on that roster um, for me. Um, anything to add, German or Leroy on that? I think um, on the question, the first question was like, he says we've not really had success with that. I disagree because we've just beaten City with that pivot. You know, we've just beaten Sevilla away from home with that pivot. You know, it is not, the as, as I said, it's not the football that we saw last year. It doesn't have the same verticality. It doesn't have the same level of speed of play, same, same technique. Uh, it doesn't, but it's functional for, for some games. And I think functionality sometimes is underrated. This is a results business still. And, um, you know, if Partey is not there, we need to have solutions to still play and, you know, win smaller and bigger games. So I think if he's not there, I, I'm, I'm, ha- I'm happy to see that being played because um, at least they know what they're doing. You know, it might be safe. It might be slower, but they know what they're doing. There's a game plan there. Um, and if Partey is there, I think that pivot could be. I, I mean, I was very, very encouraged by our, our, our performance in the um, community shows. Partey and Rice in the pivot. I was super encouraged by the performance. Um so, you know, Timber was playing. You know, I think Yasu was kind of playing in the role that Timber was playing in that game. So I think we have replacements um, for, for, for some of these um, players. It's just Partey is a unicorn of a player. You know, if you look in the world football, how many players can you count on one hand that have the same sort level of technique, same level of physicality, same level of press resistance? You were looking at maybe three? Who? You know? Name them. Now, and, and that, that's without saying the physical attributes, you know. You know but like someone like Pedri does have the verticality and the regularity. You know, those okay, type so of name, name the sixes, sorry. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's, you know, I think the sixes, I, I, I really don't see it. Like, yeah, you know, people would argue rugby, rugby is more, is more carrying as well. I think more um, than Partey. Partey's verticality is, is pretty unique. So you can't fight for like for place that even Jinchenko is playing there. It's not the same. Um, you're looking at you're looking at like you know a Tiago. Um, yeah, you're you looking know, at some looking... technical players that, that they don't actually have the physical defensive physicality. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're more there's 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 a lot of 
like eights who could be double pivots or play slightly higher up. So like you talked about with Pedri, you know, Locatelli, Bruno G or, you know, Frankie Frankie De Jong or something like that. Yeah, but 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 they're but they're not getting stick on the fixtures. I think he said he said they're not they're not as good. You know, as good, which which I agree with. To be honest, I'm not, I'm not sure um, you can get someone in party's profile, and that that actually leads us to to, to Shaggy's last question, um, which is that Rice has been impressive since joining in the summer, um, but it's clear he has a different skill set than what Party offers as the six. Can those attribute, attributes that Party has, i.e., press resistance and vertical passes, be coached into Rice? Or do we need to change our system, adjust our expectations? That, that shit ain't coachable. That, that, that shit ain't coachable. That, that some, some players have unique abilities. It's, it's like you can't coach, you know, I mean, you can maybe help a player way pass better, but they're not going to have the same way of passes as Mesut Ozil, you know, or Kevin De Bruyne. Those are unique skills. So I don't think it's coachable. Um, I think Bryce's game can improve. And um, this game is pretty good, but, you know, I don't really think that's coachable. Yeah, and, and and I think it's it's what we said earlier, right? It's it's just gonna necessitate a change in probably what we do in midfield. So um, again, it's a recruitment issue in terms of the profile. You know, this you know the eights we just spoke about. I think that's a profile we could definitely acquire, which could help with build up in midfield personally. So mm-hmm. someone who could play a bit higher up as an eight, but it could, could also drop into the pivot next to Rice as a six as well. So like a Frankie De Jong, for example, would make sense in in that essence because. He's um got actually got quite underrated physical at- attributes. He's a very very good ball carrier, um, but also very very technically proficient. So, but he's not a stick on six, right? He's an eight. So yeah, yeah. I think I think you know you can you can definitely um, to the to the second part of the question, right? Like uh, change the system, adjust the expectations, right? Because I think Declan Rice has shown he's clearly a very good number six. You know, he he he's clearly he's clearly that right, and where you can then maybe compensate for some of parties, um, you know, the lack of his attributes in the team when he's not there, um, is you have a different type of eight that plays alongside um, Declan Rice or next to him, you know, because if you have someone who um, can give you that press resistance um, and ability to step through the midfield on, on, on the half turn, on the carry a bit more than, you know, sort of what we're seeing, and play deeper, um, then you know I think you're 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 sort of just shifting where the emphasis is in your team, um, really, and and still getting a some of the some of the benefit, right? So um, final couple of questions here. So um, <laughs> Count Dracula, he said, uh, is it better to have an overconfident or nervous goalkeeper? Overconfident, man. I don't, I don't want no nervous wreck. I think this is a setup question because I think he's trying to say Rams is overconfident, but I don't think he is. I think he's nervous as well. Mm. Mm. Um, I prefer having a good goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> Bam. Just be good, man. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like this keeping situation is it's just just becoming way more um, difficult than it needs to be, man. Right. Honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just a bit spun. Um, by it all to be honest but um sos hgn he says we've got seven points from city chelsea and sevilla our fans lose and fans are losing their minds is this a definition of suffering from success 
I, I, I think, think so. I think so as well. I think so as well. Because because to, to me, I think fans are it's just way tenser watching a lot of these games, you know, because I think people really believe and people really have hope. Um, and then when you know when you're up against Pep Guardiola, every single point matters, you know, every single one. And you know, when you see drop points, you see Man City win your head is going to be in the sky kind of thing. So, you know, I think people need to relax. I think they need to trust in the team as well um, a bit more than what they have been doing because for me, I think we're a very good team. We're a very good team. And I think if we play to our level, we will be there or thereabouts uh, come the end of the season. I think we've got a really good chance at winning a trophy this season. And I think we need to win a trophy as well because that will develop more trust because, you know, I think if you look at, Liverpool fans and whatnot, they back their team. They just believe that their team's going to do stuff. Even when you as an outsider, you're watching the same team, you're like, are you man sure? Do you know what I mean? Like this, You're saying a lot of stuff, but they just back their team because their team has kind of delivered a little bit. Um, and I think the team needs to really deliver a little bit before people can now sort of relax because I think we're just, we've not quite achieved anything yet. And I think that's why people are, you know, super tense because you've not had that joyous moment um, come at the end of it. So, you know, hopefully this season is the, the season that changes it. Yeah, fully agree, fully agree. Um, and last question from, um, oh no, there's, there's two more, sorry, there's two more. Um, so, Yonko Abs, he says, do you think the players will play into form and this central progression issue will be gone at some point or the manager has to figure this out somehow? Sorry, everyone spoke at the same time. Leroy first. He's got to earn his money because he needs to figure it out. I don't think he's gonna we're gonna play this into form. I think there's a fundamental issue, and this is where the manager's got to earn his money. And I mean, don't get me wrong, this happens. Like sometimes, like last season, City were figuring it out. They stumbled across something eventually, and it worked. The good thing is, at least we're picking up points at a good rate and a rate that we should be doing while we're trying to figure it out. But I don't think that this current thing is going to work and he's going to have to tinker something. Mm. Earn your money. What? Three, five million a year, yeah? Bruv, give me five million a year. I'll figure it out. Trust me. No. <laughs> German, what, 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 what were you going to say? Yeah, I think he has to figure it out. Football is always evolving. You know, we are facing this this um, central progression issue now because of injuries and also because the way teams set up against us, if we are if we're developing a threat that is um, that is hurting people in a different way, or teams in a different way, then they're going to try to set up for that. And we can go back to central progression. You know, <laughs> it's just, that's just the way it goes. You just have to keep innovating. That's, that's what it is. And mm-hmm. I think Ateta is trying, but you know, not, not everything is sticking right now. Um, but yeah, he just has to find a way, look for a way. Mm-hmm. And Sean? Maybe January, actually, maybe January can help us with that, you know, depending on who we're grabbing. But yeah, John, what do you think? Yeah, I, I I don't disagree too tough, um, and and I'm not necessarily convinced that the solution we have it internally at the moment. So I think it's going to be a, a recruitment thing. Um, like I said, Jorginho and Party both on the wrong side of thirty. Both, you know, one's not good enough. One has availability issues. So um, I think next summer is definitely going to be, you know. 
another key part of the evolution or, or how we choose to evolve like do you know what i mean so like i said I, i've not agreed with how arteta's done it so far but the most important thing is just to win like you said we're, we're in the results business of winning so he's got to find a solution i'm not convinced we have it inside unless one of the the fringe players just decides to start doing a madness that we haven't seen so far and i'm not sure but again you never know i think Wenger always used to say right young players surprise you so hopefully someone has like a, a jump we don't see mm, yeah i think you know i was going to call and call this question out at the top of the pod right like is is it time to cook for these lot man i think you know it's it's, it's and i think it is it is time for these lot to cook i think you know you look at our fixtures that we've had We've had a lot of tough games, you know, away to, away to Chelsea, um, Spurs, Man United, City, all at home in the first nine games. I think that's a lot, um, personally. Yet to play any of the bottom three teams, um, uh, or newly promoted teams, I should say, uh, when others around us have played, you know, sort of two or three of them. And so I think this is now a time where I think the next big six team that we play is... December 23rd or something like that against um, Liverpool. So for me, now it's time for the team to really start showing showing out and putting um, a, a, a good run of games together, right? Because outside of those top teams, I really feel like we should be like beating most of these teams um, from week to week. And I think that's what we showed last season, that we have the capability of putting these winning runs together. So, you know, for me, it's time to cook, you know. It's time. It's time to cook, and I think the team can really build up some um, some momentum now. So, um, last two questions. Um, one from G Theorem. He says, "Hooked at half time, dropped on Tuesday. Are we seeing the early signs of Arteta preferring a proper defender left back rather than a playmaker, or is this simply a case of rewarding Tommy for his good form?" Personally, I think there's something behind this. Um, we kind of touched on this. Um, so, Sean, you're off mute, so I'll let you tackle this one. I just, I just think it's a case of Leroy's point earlier is that certain games require different profiles. So that's not to say, though, that he, he might not be angry because he did drag Zinchenko at halftime and he wasn't playing well. So I, I've, I've got no issue with that. But for me at the moment, when people complain about guys like Zinni and Jesus, until you find better players than them, when they're at their best, they're still key to us, in my opinion. So they have to play. And like, like we said, Sheffield United at home on Saturday, that's a no-brainer that Zinchenko starts, in my opinion, because you know these guys are going to set up with the nastiest of blocks. Um, <laughs> they are. You, you and I both know that. You know, it's going to be nasty. So we need we need all the ball progression and creativity we can get, man. So yeah, Zinni starts for me. Um, I, I don't. I just think it's like you said. It's, it's moving to the squad game. People ask for more of a squad game. We get more of a squad game. Then people are upset that we've got a squad game. Do you know what I mean? So it is what it is. And I and I also feel like I think fans are. I don't know, maybe it's just me. I feel like doesn't they're overly critical with Zinchenko and Jesus at times, I feel like. And 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 this sorry, sorry, I'll, I'll let you finish. And and I've said this, and I me and Leroy said this one time as well, is that for some reason it feels like our best players are the ones that get criticized the most when I, I don't really understand it, when they're the ones who have elevated us to the level that we're at. So I feel like we should have more grace when they have off games. Do you know what I mean? Does, does that make sense? So like Whereas I'm like, you, you guys don't have the same energy for the ones that are... Obviously, I get it. You place more expectation on the good players. But still, at the same time, they're the best players and they're the ones who have brought us to this level that we're now at. So I think we should we should give them grace when they maybe don't reach that standard every now and then. Yeah, especially Zinchenko and Gravier Zeus. I think that's summer. We, we, we missed out on top four and we 
got them two and Saliba, and we are we're a certainly top four team. You know, pu- pushing for the title that year. That that were the only you know um, additions that we had, and to think that people are like so quick to say, yeah, Jesus hours and change. It's like you know. I don't think you guys are understanding that the level that they brought to this team is very high, you know, and them and Saliba, you know, you can't just, uh, if I'm hearing names, like, I don't know, there's, if, if uh, even Tony. Ivan Tony. If, I, if I'm hearing names like Tony, it's like, you guys are really sure he's going to raise, you're going to play, first of all, he's going to facilitate the same way Jesus plays, allows us to play the same way that Jesus plays. And then you're sure, you know, the attack is going to be functioning the same. Like, I just don't feel like. No, nah, it's crack. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it can only be crack. Yeah, I think it's disrespect, to be honest. You're looking at a player and you're like, yeah, he's replaceable. Like, they're not that easy replaceable, some of them. <laughs> That's what you got to keep in mind. <laughs> and when we did that, we're replacing players where we thought, yeah, who they were shit under Emery and, you know, a bit after him. You know, we struggled for a long time until we got some really good players and to even get back to top four level. So, you know, take it easy over there. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Mm. For real, for real. So, last question um, from Lukey Tyler. He says, with our first three performances in the Champions League, how far do you see this team going in the competition? Hey, man, let, let me just enjoy it game by game, please, man. Please. <laughs> please. <laughs> we, we, we've been at the competition for too long, man. I, I, I don't know. Like For me, get at the group, top the group, and then whatever happens from there happens, man. Like Yeah. I just I just think with Champions League, it's just a luck of the draw thing as well, man. Mm. Like you can't, you really can't um predict how it's gonna go because fair enough, you can't draw English teams um first round of 16, but I think from quarterfinals you can, right? So Man City up there, imagine you just draw Man City in the quarters, bruv. That's that's a peak. <laughs> a peak draw, you know, and, and, and it could happen, you know. So um so, yeah, it has to be a game-by-game thing. For me, I know people, they're saying, oh, bring me Madrid, bring me Bayern and all of this, my guy. If Besiktas or whoever is there, bring them, man. Like, bring, bring, bring me the easiest brother, brother, draw you, you, every brother, time. Brother, you're saying that. I was watching Galatasaray yesterday. I said, they oh, <laughs> Yeah, give me I some people some... Up on the right teams in Europe, you know. They're like, I'm oh, yeah, it. Madrid are shit, Barcelona. I'm like, yo, you man, if we're playing them, we could get smoked, bro. It's oh, no. bro. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, they didn't see us get packed, yeah. 10-2. I don't want any of that, man. I want to be, I want, I want, uh, yeah, I want, I want easy, as easy games as possible. So, boy, mm. we'll, we'll just need to see who's in the draws, man. But first thing first, yeah, I think you're right. Top the group, and then we go from there, man. But Guys, um, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for the questions. Thank you very much for, for listening. Um, as I said, leave a five-star review. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow us on all the socials at Touchy Gooners. Um, and we will catch you after Sheffield United at home. So I need I need, I need need Odegaard Brace in that game, my guys. I need, I need that. I need that. Um, but catch you soon. Peace. 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 It's got to 2-2 and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil, Lacazette, Ozil! Go! Go!
Network.